Hey everybody, this is Michael Morey with the Real Perspective Podcast. This is the second part of our Mandalorian Season 2 discussion, covering the last two episodes of the season, as well as some concluding remarks on the season as a whole. I gave this disclaimer in the last part, but some aspects of this discussion might be a little outdated because we recorded a while back. But I hope you enjoy this episode, and we look forward to you listening to us in the future. Thank you. What they did that was smart with the Mandalorian is, is that they built up their own series and their own mm-hmm. characters, and they went and demonstrated that they can be trusted with dealing with similar concepts with already existing characters. Sure. And then after like they've already gained a sufficient level of trust and mastery over like the live action TV show format, mm-hmm. they could kind of get a little more ambitious with the side characters that they introduced, including ones that we're familiar with. Because yeah. and the audience would go along with it because it's like, okay, you know what? These guys have demonstrated that they like know it. They they get it. They can right. they can handle these like more quote unquote mm-hmm. like sacred characters. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this was like a good way of gaining people's trust back after the last trilogy, especially. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it, that like, you know what? It's in good hands. I can. I'm now down for them to have like Ahsoka show up or Boba Fett show up sure. or spoiler character in the last episode, for example. You know. Um, yeah. <laughs> which will go and take us also to like the last two episodes. Um, the mm-hmm. first of which was my personal favorite. Um, it involves the return Ooh. of Bill Burr in what MJ uh, um, has later introduced to me is a total ripoff of the movie Sorcerer, <laughs> a 1977 <laughs> film, which um, we can get into a little bit more. Um, and it involves uh, Mando kind of taking Bill Burr away from his, I don't know, like penal facility, hard time labor, whatever yeah. sentence he has from the first season. Um, in an episode that I did not really like that much first season wise, but um, mm-hmm. totally redeems Bill Burr in the second season. Sure. And they kind of go on a little adventure. They infiltrate another Imperial base, which, you know, kind of might begin to seemingly echo some of my complaints that I've said before. But this one was like really sick how they did stuff. Um, yeah. There was a, like a cool car chase and everything. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it leads to just, uh, I think probably like some of the deepest thematic content yeah. that's been in the show so far mm-hmm. what did you guys think about this episode uh so much like the last episode this might be my favorite episode of Mandalorian. <laughs> um so it, it does it, it switches from day to day this episode's super good now yeah uh i do want to camp out on the sorcerer influence for a little bit because it. i watched this the same day i watched sorcerer for the first time ever and uh, what's interesting is, so that whole first half of them transporting the explosive material mm-hmm. is control C, control V, the back half of the movie Sorcerer and the main thrust. <laughs> of that movie. Like yep. they barely changed it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, as such, that part is great, but I found it a little boring because sure. I had just watched Sorcerer. 
Right. So don't take that to say that I think that that part sucks. It doesn't at all. But I was just like, my jaw kind of hit the floor and I looked at Chris and I was like, this is sorcerer. Like, this is the movie that almost had me reaching for the whiskey at 1030 this morning. Like, <laughs> um, It was so stressful. And so watching it back to back like that, don't recommend. However, if you like this episode, you have to watch Sorcerer. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. It's so good. I just got the Blu-ray in <laughs> this week, actually. <laughs> oh, nice. um, but yeah, so that part, I really like the back half where they're infiltrating the uh, Imperial base mm -hmm. is fantastic. It's some of the mm -hmm. best Star Wars. Yeah. Full stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's easily, I think, maybe the best drama that's ever been. Like, just straight up human drama that has ever... Uh, been in star wars uh mm -hmm. maybe like just like people sitting down talking drunk, yeah you know yeah, yeah. pure dialogue um, yeah i agree yeah, yeah yeah and bill burr is incredible in this episode like there's mm -hmm. no other way to describe it. he's so good and like he took he completely took me out of the first season because he was just sure. like a space boston guy and like yeah. <laughs> i listen to a lot of podcasts that he's on so like that voice is very in my head you know yeah and so it, it, it was just like, why the hell? Why? Like, why does he have like a space Boston accent? And like, I'm completely gone in this. Like, he still has the accent, but like, I was not removed from it. He feels so much like uh, Migs, I guess is the character's name. And that points to a problem I'll talk about at the end of all this, uh, that we're referring to them not by their character names. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but he's, he's really, really good in it. And also we get this great moment with um, the Mando himself where he has to take off his helmet mm -hmm. and uh, it pays off really nice in the next episode too. But that's a really, it brings a really cool moment between the Mandalorian and Bill Burr's character of like, mm -hmm. there's this like bond that forms between them mm -hmm. in that moment. That's kind of unbreakable. And yeah. I really like the way they, it's real subtle um, and that's, I think that can be described, that can be used to describe the whole back half yeah. of the episode. The dude who plays the Imperial officer that they have that sit down with mm -hmm. is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Just being like the slimiest person yeah. imaginable. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I also really, really like this episode. I was not as familiar with Bill Burr going into season one, um, have since watched some of his comedy specials and like seen him in other things, listened to him on podcasts and stuff, um, and was super impressed with him as well uh, for this episode. And it's funny, I was listening to him on, um, I listened to Justin Long's podcast and when he had interviewed mm -hmm. Bill Burr recently, Bill Burr was saying how like if he actually had his preference, he would probably do more acting than actual comedy because that's what he loves to do, really? which I was like, dude, go for it because like you're actually really talented. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked him. Um, just a side note, like I liked the little workyard prison that he was in with the broken down TIE fighters. I thought that looked super cool. So um, let me yes, go for it. I don't mean to interrupt, that's fine. but they use stop motion for those little the giant robots. And did they really? Uh, yeah, and it was done by Phil Tippett, who is known as maybe his most famous credit of all time, Dinosaur Supervisor Phil Tippett in Jurassic oh, Park. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Oh, well, yeah, that was that was super so, cool. I can't believe he's finding work after screwing the pooch on that job, but. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with you guys. Uh, it was really nice to see, like, I, man, I almost said the phrase actual acting, which sounds awful because there is actual <laughs> acting right, throughout all of it. But I, I mean, it, I think it's kind of similar to what I think um, MJ, you were just saying a second ago and, and Michael as well, like to get just a scene of actual dialogue where it's like, this doesn't have to be, um, you know, TIE fighters flying by or lightsabers gearing mm-hmm. up or anything like that. This is just actual characters. So these are lived in characters within this universe that we all really like and just enjoy being in. And clearly we'll pay money to just be in even if the stories aren't great. Um, now we get to see some really, really touching and beautiful moments and, and I really like that this was the episode that we really get to see um, Mando take off his helmet. And while it would have been really touching if it had been just the finale in that moment with Baby Yoda, it was it was nice to see it in this way, um, like you said, to establish that connection with uh, Migs and, and have that there. So I, I also really liked this episode. I really appreciated, you know, the nice dramatic moments with it and the dialogue and the acting was all very, very good. Yeah, and uh, I would add that this was... Um... Rick uh, Fukuyama's mm-hmm. second episode mm-hmm. of the, the show, and he did the prison. Famiyuma. Famiyuma, sorry. That's um, Famiyuma, sorry. Yeah, uh, Famiyuma's uh, second episode. He he did the prison ship episode in the first season. Mm-hmm. And, oh, that was uh, another Bill Burr episode, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I did not enjoy that episode too much. Um, the first season, I just felt like he was a little like. I don't know, tensionless or something like that. There was something that was off to me in it. And I, and I did not like space bill Burr in that episode, but he was fantastic sure. in this one. Yeah. Uh, and I think once again, it kind of demonstrates that overall, I feel like the show is kind of an, an upward trajectory. I know we kind of saw maybe a little dour on the first couple episodes, but I think that like they'll sometimes revisit characters or concepts mm-hmm. or something like that from the first season and polish them off and make them better this season and I, I felt like the um, the Migs character was one of them. I think that they did some cool inversion things where um, after Mando and Migs survive the truck driving expedition, they mm-hmm. arrive at um, the Imperial base and they're obviously undercover and people like kind of slapping them on their backs and that sort of stuff. And it's kind of a weird mirror of A New Hope um, when people mm, come yeah. back to the Death mm-hmm. Star. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of like some like happy Imperial fanfare that's going on with the soundtrack. And it's like a, oh, these people kind of think they're the good guys too. Right, <laughs> um, yeah. And so there's some interesting stuff going on there. And it's not just like going both sides are bad it's just that these bad guys are also kind of like committed and th- even though they're bad in believing that they're good and heroic too mm-hmm. uh and obviously that's illustrated also in the imperial officer um as well but he's right. a little more fanatical and insane mm-hmm. and uh, i just liked the idea that um you know that they're not heroic but in their own minds that they are they're like it kind of adds some believability that that they're not just like mustache twirling evil they just do evil things while maybe thinking that they're justified in doing that sure well especially the soldiers um i don't know if i've talked about this on the podcast yet but there was like a a piece i remember seeing in college at another school where it was they took a bunch of letters from world war ii and they had actors read them and there was one where this woman was talking about how scared she was of the enemy and how she just wanted to protect her family and how you know, proud she was of the soldiers from her homeland. And like the whole time you're hearing it, you think that this is like an American woman talking about like the Nazis or whatever during World War II. Come to find out at the end of it that it was a German woman. And it's like, mm. oh, because you kind of forget that in these conflicts, like the people on the other side, I'm sure citizens and even, you know, foot soldiers are being told probably the exact same thing that a lot of us are being told. And granted, I think there is, you know, a moral objectivity to everything. And there are certain sides that are just objectively bad. But 
that it is kind of nice, like you said, to see that these little foot soldiers are not all, you know, Darth Sidious's. They're some of them are just, you know, kind of trying to do their job and they're wrong place, wrong time or whatever you want to look at it or, you know, I don't know. It gives more character to them. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like a great war part of the Star Mm -hmm. Wars. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, which is something that's been missing, I think, from the series for a while. Um, I think the the prequels kind of touch on um, the fact that, like, the good guys are slowly becoming the bad guys and that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Um, Yeah, it's more of a... That's more of a cold Star War, though, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's more of a um, (laughs) political, um, like, transition in a way, you know, versus this actually dealing with, like, the military lives of people, which is one of the things that I think Mandalorian does well is getting back to the gritty feeling of things, like mm-hmm. the feeling of people on the ground, mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, the production design's like kind of dirty all the time. And, yeah, yeah. Right. And, yeah. Aesthetically it's aping the original trilogy, just like the mm-hmm. new trilogy did ape the original trilogy, but it, it feels justified and it's, and it's done differently because it's being done from the perspective of people who you know they're not uh, the world's greatest Jedi or the galaxy's right. greatest Jedi. They are like pretty competent, um <laughs> bounty hunters and you know that's about it um so i i like that aspect of it um one other thing to note about this episode was and we can maybe tie this into maybe some ideas of fan service but uh boba fett goes and drops a seismic charge and it makes huh. a wham sound yes. and it is like literally <laughs> the coolest thing it was the coolest thing in attack of the clones and yep. it was the coolest thing <laughs> in this episode too like i i the like best. they set up that um that thing really well because like they open up the hatch doors and you're just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, and <laughs> like, like it, I got a fist pump out of it. <laughs> it was dope. It was great. Yeah, that was, that was great. I, I think I told you this, Mike, but when it happened, Kristen didn't remember what it was, but I <laughs> am, I, that's one of my favorite scenes of the prequels. Oh, sure. And so like when it went off, I did the noise with my, like, I was just like, <laughs> and she looked at me like I was an insane person. Like, she was just like, what the hell is that? I was like, because it sounds like a guitar. Um, <laughs> the delay with the sound, it was just so uh, cool when it happened in the prequel. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one. I didn't realize this was something that other people thought oh, no, no, was the, incredibly this is, cool. This, this is like something that was discussed all over the internet. Like, okay, people, like those YouTube videos are just devoted to like the five seconds of that. Um, and people <laughs> being like, like, this is the best sound effect ever. Like type reactions. Oh, it's but, so good. I mean, yeah. like, I, there's a uh, kind of argument that's being made around about what's good fan service and bad fan service. And we're mm-hmm. probably going to talk about that next episode. Um, but yeah, uh, cause sure. I think, cause I think MJ and I are going to come to blows in a little bit, but um, <laughs> Ooh, I'm excited. Yeah. But um, I think that like after uh, the prequels came out, it's going to mm-hmm. be kind of long winded. So I'm going to, I'll shorten it. You know, there's a lot of people who just freaking hated the prequels. They want like, it's mm-hmm. basically excised from the universe. Um, and, uh, Disney was literally afraid to touch anything involving the prequels. It felt like for a very long time with the new movies, mm-hmm. any of their new Canon stuff. And, you know, it, even things that like would pl- probably please most people and be okay with most people. They seem to shy away from, um, including like not having Anakin, um, involved as a ghost for example in the new trilogy yeah. like wh- why isn't he there at all i don't get it it feels like there's room for him to go and like talk to his grandson and tell him hey you're kind of being a screw-up <laughs> like mm-hmm. just something like that because they know there's a certain segment of people who like hate hating christensen they'll they didn't want to do it 
Right. And so obviously now they've announced the Obi-Wan series and supposedly Hayden Christensen's coming back in it in some form. Mm -hmm. And ah. we'll talk about that more with like the TV shows in, at the end of this. But like just seeing the freaking bomb from Jango Fett or Boba Fett's ship mm -hmm. go off, like was a good prequel nod. It, it didn't hurt <laughs> anybody. And it was yeah. super sure. dope. Like, no, it was like taking the best things sometimes and making them do logical things with them. Um, mm -hmm. I enjoyed that quite a bit. But I mean, okay, you could even apply that same argument to Boba Fett in the right. previous episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with using people logically in ways mm -hmm. that um, can both please people and further the narrative, which brings us to the last episode. Yeah, um, good second. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> so last episode, Grogu, we didn't really talk about this in the synopsis, but you've That's seen this show same. if you're listening to this episode. Um, Grogu was abducted. He's in Moff Gideon, who is played by Giancarlo Espetito's uh, character. He's an Imperial. Um, they want to use his blood for stuff. And uh, Mando like re uh, basically mounts a rescue attempt along with Fennec, Boba Fett, Cara Dune, um, and also they're joined by the Bo-Katan and her friend, who I don't really remember her name. I'm sure they really said it. Um, uh, Koska? Is that something? Her? Yeah, yeah that, something like that. I'm looking so, at the synopsis right now. Yeah, yeah, I think that's her. They go and mount uh, basically a rescue. They save the baby Yoda, and things happen from that. Let's just get right into it. <laughs> um, MJ, what did you think of this episode? So I'm going to hold off on the Mark Hamill of it all until. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So the fine. episode itself, I thought was kind of okay. Um, I liked where a lot of stuff ended up. Yeah. Um, mm. I should say that right out the gate. Uh, mm -hmm. So Darksaber is actually the biggest offender of stuff from the cartoon in the real show. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal that I felt completely went over my head until it was explained to me like I was a child. <laughs> um, so that I didn't love, but mm -hmm. I liked the lore. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I liked all that. I liked where it ended up. It felt a little clunky, especially seeing how it ended right with, uh, spoilers, Luke Skywalker coming back and kicking ass, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit of that felt like it was killing time until that happened because they knew it was happening. Um, yeah. So watching it in context sure. of that, like n knowing what was going to happen, I was fully spoiled on it way before because the internet couldn't shut oh, up about it. And yeah. uh, so it just kind of felt like we were just waiting for Luke to show up. And after a certain point, um, that could go back with like, Bo-Katan not being my favorite character. She was, like, fine. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I didn't love the episode, and I don't think a lot of memorable stuff happens, really, in it until the end. Okay. Um, there's a cool fight with the Dark Trooper droids yeah. that I liked a lot. Very, but, like, like, Terminator-esque, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but other than that, like, I thought the showdown between... Um, Mando and, and Moff Gideon. Gideon. Yeah, Gus. Uh, were <laughs> space was, Gus. <laughs> yeah, Space Gus was uh, kind of lame just because Giancarlo's an older guy. Um, <laughs> and like he can't move the way Pedro Pascal can or his stunt double can. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was. I liked a lot of what went on thematically in the episode. I didn't like a lot of what happened mechanically in the episode, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, Missy, yeah. what did you think? Um, 
I have mixed feelings about it. I like overall, I I enjoyed it. I definitely cried at the end um, because I'm a big baby, and <laughs> <laughs> it was very touching when Baby Yoda had to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, I I think some of your criticisms, MJ, I can agree with. It's I. I'm looking. I'm looking at the synopsis to remind myself because apparently I forget everything. Um, we one thing that is interesting though is because you just brought it up was the fight between Mando and Moff Gideon, um, mm-hmm. as they were saying with the dark saber that uh, Giancarlo brought so much like rage to his performance that he was consistently breaking the props to the point that <laughs> yeah. the prop master was kind <laughs> of like he was, he was really into it. He was enjoying right. it. Well, and they were saying because and, and this also kind of ties into what you're saying. So I haven't gotten far enough in Clone Wars Rebels or anything to have seen the Darksaber. So I remember at the end of season one, when they showed it, I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, I'm not really familiar with that. Even during this one, I wasn't as familiar. I honestly, so again, because I haven't said it 85 times, uh, I've like played through the Knights of the Old Republic. And so they had things called like vibroblades. And so I thought it was perhaps one of those. I was like, what mm-hmm. is this? Um, and, and so, you know, it was cool. I, I could recognize enough that it was a formidable weapon without kind of knowing so i do agree with you that would have been something that it would have been nice to have had some kind of um you know explanation of it a little earlier on when we first see it and encounter it without it feeling like we're kids having our hands held and walk through it um so i i will agree with you on that one mj i think that is one of the things that came from extended universe that i i it felt a little like i was outside of an inside joke on Mm -hmm. um its importance and stuff um but uh yeah sorry i just got a text and i had to get rid of it um oh my gosh where was it going with that so we were talking about john carlo yeah breaking oh yeah so because dave filoni had such like an attachment to it um you know they they made these really like intricate props that they had to get perfectly and yeah john carlo was just like breaking them all the time apparently <laughs> because that old guy was just going at it and just you know going crazy so um i i thought that was you know good for him but yeah, I don't know how I feel about Luke Skywalker. So I'm really intrigued to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Uh, when I <laughs> first saw him arrive, I was like, oh, my God, is that Luke? And then as he's fighting, I was like, oh, I see his hand. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure that's Luke. Ugh, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I'm like, hmm, I'm going to go back and forth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see if you guys can sway me either way. Are you guys on opposite sides? <laughs> yes, we are. Yes. Oh, perfect. Okay, I'm so excited to hear you guys. Actually, okay. I, think, I think I'm just hype. I think I'm just shit talking before the fight. I don't think it's going to be. I, I'm more middle of the road on it, actually. Okay. Um, I just, yeah, I was weirdly ambivalent towards him being there, which seems strange because it seems like a big like twist. But yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll talk about just building up to the fight. Um, that's probably going to be a whimper. Um, (laughs) I I actually excluding the the Luke Skywalker part. Um, I enjoyed the episode, um, quite a bit. It wasn't as good as like the previous one. uh, Right. Yeah. It had some big shoes to fill too. Yeah, it it did. Um, it was definitely a little flabby in places. Like it, it kind of echoed that complaint I had earlier, which is just like, watching the heroes mow down millions of stormtroopers like in a hallway like you know um without real resistance uh but i actually i enjoyed the gideon um stuff mm-hmm. i thought the fight was fairly well done you know it wasn't like the knockout drag out match that maybe like you would have been led to believe after kind of two seasons of buildup. but he's also like not exactly a fighter so i wouldn't expect right. him to like mount total resistance but i thought that like that fight scene was fairly well done i mean i i kind of got a little scared for baby yoda when he held that lightsaber over or the yeah, dark saber yeah. over him. um you know I, I felt the tension there i felt like mm-hmm. the tension with the death troopers um or, no sorry dark, dark troopers, troopers um death troopers are the ones from rogue one 
that like they were kind of cool in a different way from what you're used to in a Star Wars movie. Bringing back that like Terminator killer vibes, which I thought were kind of neat. I'm gonna say hot take. um, I didn't like them that much, but we can talk about that later. Yeah, I mean, like how they were maybe utilized is just like they punch doors um a lot. Is is maybe not like the most interesting uh, use of them in terms of the directorial uh, implications, but. Uh, I, I liked kind of the threat that they somewhat pose. Uh, and then also, let's see, I was okay with the dark saber. I felt like it was well uh, done for me. Cause I'm not somebody who had any, any sort of familiarity with it mm-hmm. and neither does Mando. And I think that the way the episode sure. goes and portrays it is from Mando's position where he's like, That's what's the point. big deal with this thing? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. he doesn't even know. He's just like, here, I, I yield. Like, here, take the saber. You know, he's like, yeah. When he, the more he learns about it, the more he's just like, I don't want this, like, whatever. And they're like, no, right. it doesn't work this way. So you're, as the audience, learning the way he's learning um, yeah. about it at the same time. So I felt like I basically understood what it was about by the time it was over. It was a little confusing in the moment, but I think you're okay with that because he's also meant to be confused as mm. well. Um, all right. So now, all that out of the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I probably need to give some backstory. Luke Skywalker is like my favorite character of mm. any like fiction period. Nice. Um, and one of the things that really resonates with me about him is not necessarily from the first two movies, but more so return of the Jedi. Cause yeah. in the first two movies, oh, you know, everyone kind of walked away with it. <laughs> uh, everyone. <laughs> Return of the Jedi is like my version of Luke because the first two mm-hmm. movies, you know, he's whiny. That's where everyone kind of walks around with like the power sure. converters, all this stuff. <laughs> um, and then in the last movie, you know, he's somewhat humbled and chastened and he kind of puts everything on the line to rescue his dad. And, um, you know, he even throws his lightsaber away rather than go and kill his dad. And so to me, that like is just something that I think was very memorable and iconic about him. And, you know, everyone talks about the hero's journey and how Lucas was influenced by Joseph Campbell, all these things. And mm-hmm. Luke is, you know, the summation of that. Um, and the fact that, you know, a lot of people in pop culture and history, um, maybe up until our generation, at least, they really liked Han Solo because Han Solo is cool. He's the rogue, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. That was like the John Wayne type. Yeah, the John Wayne kind of gritty, a little bit anti-hero type person. And then Luke is someone who's just like kind of this innately good person mm-hmm. who like goes and sometimes rushes, maybe even foolheartedly to go and save his friends, like in Return sure. of the, or, I mean, sorry, in Empire Strikes Empire, Back. Yeah. Um, but he was also like kind of on a death mission or suicide mission to rescue his dad because he's more than willing to go and die um, on the Death sure. Star and in the effort of saving his father and also kind of distracting Palpatine. So there's a self-sacrificial um, uh, character trait that I found like really appealing growing up. Mm-hmm. And that's something I felt that like Last Jedi lost a bit because I did not understand why some guy who laid everything on the line to save his dad would, in the backstory of Last Jedi, think about murdering his nephew in his sleep. Mm-hmm. I just felt like fundamentally at odds with his character. And also the guy who rushed to go and save his family in Empire Strikes Back and kind of put his life on the line for his father would also prefer just to kind of like stay on an island and die. Just didn't resonate with me in the last Jedi at all. Like it didn't feel like the same character to me. Yeah. And um, one thing that I felt like, you know, the sequel trilogy did really poorly. And this is not last Jedi involved at all is 
they destroyed the Jedi, <laughs> like period, like right from the opening crawl. Luke is still the last Jedi in the opening crawl of The Force Awakens because all the students have been killed. Mm-hmm. And one thing that you know you should probably do with a movie called Return of the Jedi is not immediately go and destroy said Return <laughs> Jedi like in the next one. I just, I don't know. I just feel like that's kind of like uh, a mistake. And yeah. also, I think that like when you make a movie like Return of the Jedi, you have set up um, an implicit promise, which is that you're going to go and either before those sequels were made um, in your head, continue the adventures of these people and them rebuilding the Jedi. Or mm-hmm. if you're going to make those movies that um, you depict on screen, them continuing their legacy and the character journeys that they've gone on aren't completely destroyed and washed away. And um, that's something that finally getting to this episode, the Mandalorian yeah. I felt like this episode delivered on the promise of of uh, the Return of the Jedi and seeing Luke mm. kind of now be a master of things. Like with the technology and the stunt coordination and everything like that, that you can do today that, you know, you couldn't maybe do back in the 80s. Because, you know, even I think like the fight scenes with Luke as a Jedi Knight in Return of the Jedi um, are good, but that you never like saw him at his full mastery i feel like and that's sure. something that like any story has implicit promises to it and one of the implicit promises i think that you're left with luke is he's going to continue the jedi and be like the best version of them that like yoda and obi-wan and the old order couldn't be mm-hmm. and so seeing him in this last episode like honestly it got me kind of emotional and i was not someone i'm not someone who gets very emotional at like a lot of movies or entertainment anymore, but can't relate. I, (laughs) (laughs) um, but like when that X-Wing came on and then it's like, Oh, there's a guy in robes. Well, it could just be Ahsoka or some crap. You know, you didn't know it was was Luke. Yeah. I was not spoiled. Like it's one of the few things I did not spoil for myself. I watched it like at midnight when it came out. And so, and then it's like, okay, now the green lightsaber's out. Oh, now it's the glove. And like, I got like giddy because it was like, fucking finally like like that that was like my feeling it's like why like it took like five years of disney making these like shows and movies and stuff like that to Mm -hmm. finally like show this guy who like i as a kid really admired and and like depicting him like in delivering on the promise that i thought was made like you know 30 something years ago on like who this person was and Mm -hmm. like how these adventures would continue i felt like in my brain and so that to me got me kind of like emotional and you know you can talk about uh the de-aging process and the deep faking of it and you know whether or not like that's a good call or if it looks like completely realistic it didn't really matter he looked convincing enough and like the actions of him were convincing to me Mm -hmm. and so i felt like that was the perfect summation of like okay, who's the Jedi going to be? It makes total sense to me that um, it'd be Luke. And mm-hmm. you know, you can talk about like cameos being bad or fan service being bad or those kind of things. And generally, I, I think that like fan service that um, is not in service of anything or a story or anything like that can be bad. And sometimes having every character be connected to every character makes the universe smaller. And I understand mm-hmm. that. But I think when you have this coming off the back of Star Wars... Uh, you know, being in the saga that it's in, it makes sense for Luke to be the Jedi to go and pick up that baby Yoda. He, mm-hmm. he was trained by a Yoda before. Um, and it makes sense that he would try to go and continue training other Jedi and being the one to kind of save them. 
And also, I thought that that fight scene was fucking sick. So, mm-hmm. and all said, <laughs> I thought um, uh, that was like a great way to end it, and it, it hit me in a way I was not expecting. So, sure, that's my kind of defense slash take on that scene. Well, Mike, fuck you. No, um, <laughs> no, that was really well reasoned, and I totally yeah. get that. And I actually think I'm going to be addressing all but or none of your arguments except one so we actually i didn't like it but for completely different reasons um to the point where i'm going to say everything you said makes a perfect sense Mm -hmm. um and i think it makes sense for him to be there because canonically right now with the disney timeline we have three jedi that we know about right? right we have ahsoka who refused him and we have guy from rebels who i heard about Ezra. after the episode aired mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of off somewhere so right you know return of the jedi jedi is plural so it, and we know even from the sky or the, the 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 sequel trilogy that there was an established jedi temple that luke did mm-hmm. right so it makes absolute Perfect sense for him to be there. I have no issues with that. I did at the time, and then I thought about it for a little bit and read other takes and came around on that because I'm a mature adult who can be like, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that that's uh, uh, perfectly acceptable for. I I don't have a problem with it being Luke, sort of, in the sense that I just kind of would have been as upset if it was any mainline Star Wars character. Um, It it goes back to my original argument in the first season episode that we did, which I've already referenced here. I like this being very separate from that mainline Star Wars timeline. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying they didn't do it due diligence to bring it into that. I think it absolutely does. I still don't like it because it's not what I wanted, but I have to take it up what it is, <laughs> right? It, so I don't, re- it, it, my argument feels a little weird um, compared to that. And uh, uh, one thing, we know that he died. <laughs> <laughs> like, and so, but we also know that he saved, or he was, he was saved from Anakin killing the younglings, <laughs> which... Uh, I just pictured like baby Yoda as that uh, GTA San Andreas meme when the 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 Kylo Ren starts uh, destroying the temple where it's just like, ah, shit, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so th- like that stuff, if, if you think about it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, I think so. My argument is actually uh, an argument that was not addressed in here, which is a lot of people thought it was kind of a. a like the middle finger from fat Favreau and Filoni to the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think it had anything to say about the last Jedi either way necessarily. Like I felt like it was a lot of people who wanted it to say something reading into it. I felt like for like, uh, Oh, by the way, I do agree with the argument that uh, we didn't get enough groundwork to see him become the character he was in the last mm-hmm. Jedi. Um, mm-hmm. But my, I would say like, I think there's a way you can do it. They just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that said, what we do know about him in The Last Jedi is that he had some sort of fall from grace and he was this sort of badass legendary hero. I think that's still consistent with the Luke we see in The Last Jedi. Like we're 
you know, I think that it's implied in the last Jedi from what I remember, I told, I know I told you I was going to revisit it and then I didn't, uh, cause mm-hmm. I started school, but, uh, you know, we know he at one point was the legendary Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. and now he's not in the last Jedi. And right. like, I think even that character in the last Jedi admits it. So I think it's still consistent from point to point. Now we can talk about whether it's, uh, by which I mean, um, I, I don't think it has really anything to say about the sequel trilogy all that mm. much. Like it, it it's not, I, I don't know. I just don't think it, it's really that big of a, I, I don't know. I don't think it's as big of a deal as people who don't like that movie want it to be. Mm. I, it feels like they're kind of grasping mm. straws a little bit. Well, I, I, I'm not going to interrupt you every single time, but I do think that like Mark Hamill has like kind of lent some credence to it with his, some of his tweets, like, lately about it i don't know if you've seen like he had something that was kind of released uh even yesterday about it did you see this um, the only tweet i saw from mm-hmm. him about his appearance on Man- mandalorian season two was the day it came out he said y'all watch anything good on tv lately yeah which is pretty great <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, yeah um he tweeted something yesterday um where uh, peyton reed who is the director of this episode yeah. mm-hmm. um basically like sent him something saying like you know thank you so much like you know luke was a big impact on my life blah 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 and then he responded um something about how like uh thank you for allowing me to revisit like luke skywalker when quote unquote he was still a symbol of hope and optimism oh, or something wow. like that you know yeah. and so i think when you kind of take his comments across like the years in context with each other you definitely get a sense that he like did not like it personally sure. what they did right. with him and uh, um he said to Ryan Johnson after reading the script that like I fundamentally disagree with every decision you made about this character but regardless I will like perform as you ask or something sure, like that right. um there's been other things he said since then I don't need to go mm-hmm. over all of them. so like I think that like the way he kind of interprets some of this is that this was kind of a redemption for his character and so I think it's fair for other people to maybe see that if the main actor himself sees it that way, I mean, people can be wrong about things and deluded and people mm-hmm. latch onto those moments, deluded things. Sure. Uh, hello, 2021. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that it's reasonable for some people to kind of see some things as a slight against last Jedi in this portrayal, but mm-hmm. continue. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't think it was that related. Either. Yeah. I didn't see it as a huge middle finger either, to be honest with you. Yeah. A lot of people did. And I was like, I don't think it was that concerned with it either way. And it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, to me, it's consistent with both interpretations of the character. Cause the character in last Jedi doesn't really do a lot of talking about the way this character was. Right. And so, mm-hmm. like, it, it's just, it's to me, it's a non-issue actually is mm-hmm. the actual argument I'm trying to make. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing is, I thought he looked like garbage, man. I thought he looked <laughs> like, I was just like, what is this PS1 ass uh, Luke Skywalker? Like his lips barely moved. The audio editing on when he was talking was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it was just my TV. No, uh, no, it, it didn't look like the it didn't best look great. It would be. Yeah. I agree with that. But And so like, um, yeah. it was just weird because like, you can tell they spent a ton of money on it because they only showed him when absolutely necessary right and uh i was just like oh this is not impressive Mm -mm. um so also i didn't like the fight i thought it went on too long and i thought it was kind of slow um once again shout out to robert mayo for this observation that i didn't know is what was sticking in my craw the theme the luke theme missing was kind of a big deal oh yeah yeah i uh, i kind of understand that yeah you know, um, 
I'll kind of address it. I mean, I don't want to like just cut Missy out of this conversation forever, but since <laughs> we kind of hyped this fight throughout the episode, yeah, I guess it's, kind, it's kind of a, it, my, my final piece on it is it makes perfect sense. I didn't love the way it was executed. Yeah. But I also would have been just as upset if they would have done this with Han Solo or Leia. So mm -hmm. I, um, to kind of talk about like the, the look of it, I agree with you. It was not the best, um, deep fake that's been done. Uh, even and, in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, it, I was willing to forgive it though because it's a TV budget. I know there's yeah. still mm -hmm. um, a lot of money being thrown out for like ten. I think it's like ten million an episode, basically oh, at wow. least. Um, but I was okay with it, um, even if it didn't look the greatest. And I am someone who famously can deride a lot of CG being shitty looking, but um, I can also look past it if the idea is okay. Because I, regardless of even good CG, I will I will sometimes be like. I still know it's fake. So to right. me, I felt like the purpose behind it overrode maybe sometimes how realistic it looked. Um, mm -hmm. when, it kind of, when it came to the music, I actually felt similarly, but then at the same time, I kind of applaud the use of, they gave it more of a mysterious theme originally because mm -hmm. I mean, for the audience, obviously, you know who Luke Skywalker is, but the characters don't. And I think they're like kind of trying to judge and understand and, like figure out who this person is and it was giving him more of like a mystical mysterious quality that um on rewatch because I, I watched it of course again because uh luke fan and um <laughs> and i felt like it was done purposefully to give it like this kind of mysterious edge that um made him more mythic in a way but i can certainly see like how that could also be off-putting uh so uh, i have oh go ahead yeah oh and, and just like the choreography i felt like it was like just a good blending of kind of the original trilogy how a lightsaber fight would happen mm -hmm. but also with a prequel trilogy in terms of he, he's he's making deliberate movements which is kind of like a, what an original trilogy like mm -hmm. fight would go mm -hmm. but he's mastered it and like he's anticipating some of the moves even like there's like a couple shots where like he's only really reacting in defense like there's like a robot that kind of reaches out for him and otherwise he was just content to let it go and then he go, turns around and like kills it just because it was going to bother him again and mm -hmm. i felt like it kind of demonstrated that uh he wasn't flipping around like a prequel jedi but he was also kind of above where he was before so i actually yeah. really liked the choreography of it and also i liked how it was a slow burn in, in terms of I, I could see how when you know on rewatches who it is yes mm -hmm. it's a long scene yes but that's it, and i knew so yeah I was just it, like, oh, okay right. man. <laughs> like, but like the slow revelation of information for me was like oh oh you know and it, it, it built up anticipation of okay this is who like i thought it was gonna be and so mm -hmm. i was okay with it that way so and now i'm done okay final question why don't they know who luke is because this is five years after return of the jedi and i feel like the legend of the guy who took down the empire and his cohorts would travel the galaxy in about five years no <laughs> well yeah. i mean they they've established though that like he didn't know anything about the jedi right even the way that they described them initially to him is just kind of like these you know whatever there's like this group of people that we should probably get baby yoda to um, yeah he calls them like sorcerers throughout the show right when it's also like i i don't know like i can believe it just having been in the american school system and seeing just the complete like idiocy of of people now as an adult and how little they've retained <laughs> from any kind of history even over the last like decade 
versus like how little we retain from actual you know history of our our own nation which is not an entire galaxy like i can believe it and especially because the mandalorians are kind of doing their own thing like i i don't know i my suspension of disbelief is not necessarily like withheld at that like i i can see them not really knowing exact names and and things like that and like they kind of have established that these people on the outer rim kind of don't know about what's going on like in sure. the larger galaxy sometimes through some of these media i mean i had a problem with this in um the force awakens mj because like ray has a scene where she goes and says you're han solo the pilot of the millennium falcon who did the kestrel run or something like that and then like a couple scenes later she's like luke skywalker i thought he was a myth and it's like wait <laughs> okay so you don't know the guy who blew up the death star but you know a guy who was like a smuggler like I, I, it doesn't well, make then, any sense okay you know. well not to defend the force awakens yeah. <laughs> because i think it's a bad movie but right wouldn't the outer rim characters have a better idea of the people who came out of the outer rim well, I mean, I guess Luke did too, but yeah, well, see, yeah, I guess that is kind of the the argument against it is that like you would think that the guy who like is an outer rim person who made a name for himself too would be well known as well. So okay, all right, yeah. we've talked long enough, Missy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I who won the fight? Tell us. <laughs> I appreciate listening to both you guys' thoughts. Uh, I probably side I think a little bit more with Mike now than uh with MJ only because and and Luke is by no means my favorite Star Wars character but I was definitely I I don't and vocally don't like Last Jedi as a Star Wars movie I think Ryan Johnson's a talented director I don't even think that's a bad movie in of itself I think it's not a good Star Wars movie I think it lacks such an understanding of characters that were established kind of like you were saying um, and, and even if you could argue that the trajectory of Luke was to make him a curmudgeonly hermit, I think nothing was established to let us know why he's now on an island drinking milk from a weird uh, boob creature. So it's just like I, I was not happy with where Luke ended up in Last Jedi. Um, it did feel kind of cool in a similar way, like I've talked about with um, Boba Fett and Darth Vader. It was cool to kind of see him not whiny, but in kind of like a badass on his own type thing mm -hmm. at the end of this. Um, and but something that I was thinking about when you guys were bringing up the music um, and the lack of the the Luke theme cue, um, I I did kind of like, and this kind of also circles back to I think there was an initial question of how is it that you can include things from another you know, an established universe into this new story without it being too ham fisted, too hackneyed, too like wink and nod, and um, when you were talking about it earlier, like, like it, it kind of made me think of, and I'm, I'm getting back to the thing. I promise this is all tangential. No, 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 <laughs> uh, it made me think of when exposition is done in movies. So I, for the most part, probably 90% of movies that I see, I hate the way that exposition is given. It's always very like, no one talks this way. Uh, like if someone walked into a conversation with the three of us, I wouldn't be like, well, Michael, you know that I've known you since the seventh grade. <laughs> and so it's like, no one does that, but that's how the majority of exposition is released. I am so excited when exposition is done subtly and in a way that's very natural and in a way that just kind of resides within that movie without, you know, needing all that background stuff. And I think it's the same thing with kind of inserting characters from an established universe. If you're not making it this big fanfare in your, and I would argue the Boba Fett thing was really badass and that was a little fanfare. But uh, if you can do it in a way that's a little more, it just makes sense with the universe that you've established rather than relying on that, which I think the newest trilogy really relied on its little sticks of like, we've got Leia back. We've got Chewie yeah. back. We've got well, it's the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Right. It's like, we've got all these characters you've seen before and that's super cool. Right. You remember this. It's like, instead it's like, we already have our established universe and this is how these things kind of fit in. Um, there's like, I, I remember hearing an analogy mm. at one point and it was about, 
faith where it's like, if you have like a, a glass jar and you um, tried to fill it up with, like you have to fill it up with sand and ping pong balls, right? And if you try to fill it up with sand first, you're not gonna be able to get any ping pong balls in there. But if you fill it up with the ping pong balls first, you can get all of the sand in there. And if it, it was about something mm. of putting your priorities above God or whatever. But it's like, I feel like if you're putting in your ping pong balls first and that's your established universe, then the sand can kind of seamlessly fit in with it. Like rather than you trying to shove everything familiar in and pray to God that you can, you know, get an audience from that just based on nostalgia, I think it's good to establish your own thing and then kind of subtly add in the stuff. And that's like, I do feel like they did that well with Luke where it, it didn't feel super like, Hey, remember him? Remember this guy from the original trilogy? It's like, yeah, it was super cool and badass to see him like that. Mm. But even something as subtle as him not having his music cues, not going into super extensive detail of who he was or trying to dwell on it too much. Like he wasn't really in the episode very long, which also was good because I didn't, I didn't like the deep fake stuff. It reminded me of Grand Moff Tarkin and Rogue One, which I also didn't like. Um, <laughs> I was like, just don't, just don't show his face at all. Um, <laughs> But I don't know, I, I kind of, I liked the way they did it. And I wouldn't have thought of that if you guys hadn't brought up the music cue or kind of talked about the things that you did. So I don't know, I, I appreciate, um, I guess, more having listened to you both the way that they did it. And I think I'm a little more positively uh, favorable towards his being used in this than negatively. Because before I was a little more ambivalent um, with, with like a little bit of excitement having seen him. But yeah, I, I think I do kind of like it. I think I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm happy that they put him in. So that was a really long-winded way of me saying, I think <laughs> Mike kind of won that discussion. No, I mean, I, I think I think the way that you're describing it is um, pretty much like the the perfect summation of it, which is, you know, there's there's good and um, possible bad that I, I could see in it. And I certainly see MJ's side of this as well. Um, sure. And you know, I don't think there's anybody who's right or wrong or anything like that when it comes to this. But um, yeah, I think what you're saying missy in terms of um is with the music applies to the show as a whole which is i think it carved out its own identity mm -hmm. um and so and showed like how it showed with boba fett and other things that it can be trusted now and so it can inc include other characters even people from the movies even like the character from the movie right um and i was okay with because it has its own identity it having its own theme associated with luke um was also okay with me for that moment mm -hmm. um you know it wasn't the bombastic piece that you would think from a john williams score but the mandalorian sure. has its own kind of score yeah and it, it worked for me um and the depiction of luke in this just worked for me too because i felt like you know what these guys i i trust them and i think that like their interpretation of the character um felt congruent with like where i thought luke was at this time mm -hmm. and and just one last thing like i don't think that the fact that like baby yoda quote unquote like possibly could have died or something like that at the temple don't even say that i i, I don't first of all think that's true yeah, he still lives. um and, and i just like, i don't i just don't see disney ever killing their cash cow like that um <laughs> he's green but, for a reason Mike. yeah <laughs> um but like in my mind the way that they end off the, the grogu stuff especially mm -hmm. it's like i don't even I, I don't need to see luke depicted in anything else honestly now like yeah I can, in my head no, I, I, I can think that. that this is like the end of his story and he goes and you know fucks off and like uh helps out <laughs> other jedi or whatever yeah. and like i don't even need to like consider the sequel movies canon or anything like that because this like was exactly off a I part feel. of my life that like I, I wanted to see depicted in a sequel trilogy but if mm -hmm. it had to be in a tv show then i'm okay with that too sure 
Oh, I think also something that we are overlooking when we're talking about this is by the time they did do the sequel trilogy, he was a 65 year old man. Like it was, <laughs> it was yeah. mostly oh, not absolutely. him. Yeah. Yeah. The, I agree. But then on, on the flip side of it, I mean, he was like late fifties or something like that when they started. And there's certainly people like in the MCU, like Robert Downey Jr. who played pretty active roles and things and could still be heroic and that sort of stuff. And there, like, what I will say, I saw Mark Hamill at a Comic-Con before they announced that this was happening, and yeah, I was oh, worried about his health. So. No, he, he looked like crap. But he aged like fruit. Yeah, yeah, well, and like he he was really like um, out of shape and other things. Oh, no. Um, but like they put him on like a real intense physical training regimen, and he looked good by the time they filmed The Last Jedi. Um, yeah. And he's, he's kind of like starting to go to crap again. But um, I, I think that like... He couldn't obviously be like some super physical person. I mean, even Iron Man is a CG creation most times. So the Robert Downey Jr. might even be sure. like an argument against me in some ways. But, you know, I think that like there was a weird ageism thing going on, especially just in our society in general, where we just like treat people like over 50, like they're just crap and they can't mm-hmm. accomplish anything. Yeah. And then I think there's a, there's a way that you could have treated some of those older characters um, in a way where they we're a little more involved in some of the action and that sort of stuff than they did. But I, I recognize your argument as well, MJ. So, um, okay. We, we've gotten through the big Luke debate. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's probably just try to bring this home. Um, okay. Thoughts overall now about the season, like what would you guys grade it? Uh, I have a weird hot take about this season oh. before I give like a, a grading. Okay. I spouted a lot of praise for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know if I liked the season overall because mm. eight well-made commercials are still eight commercials. Ooh, interesting. Okay. All right. Huh. Huh. Uh, let's circle back to that. Missy, what did you think? I really liked it. Um, I think I would need to rewatch through now the entire series to make uh, a fuller argument of which I thought was my favorite because um, I think I, I made I recently rewatched through all of Fargo and like I used to think that the latest season was one of my favorites and then rewatching through all I'm like oh that's just because time has like eroded my memory so like I feel like I need to watch them all again but as of right now I kind of feel like I like this one better than season one um to me like I I really liked the introduction with season one being so space westerny um and really like samurai like because i think for people like my mom liked that and she doesn't like star wars and i think it's because it didn't feel like a hugely star wars show it felt like like a space western that happened to be taking place in the star wars universe this felt so much more star wars to me while still retaining that really cool like western feel but with i think a really like i was just talking about a second ago really good infusion of um established characters in a way that didn't feel super ham-fisted I like the stories. I thought it was emotional in certain spots. I thought there was more better dramatic acting. Um, so I I liked it a lot. Um, it maybe be like a, a B plus A minus for me, but I'd probably have to rewatch through all of it again. Yeah, um, I feel similarly to you, Missy. I think um, in some places, maybe most places, I felt like it was an improvement on season one. Um, mm-hmm. Season one, I felt like only really got going in the end and mm-hmm. then it ended uh right i also uh thought that the first half of the season was a little bit weaker as evidenced by our 
discussion over the synopses of each of the episodes. Um, mm-hmm. But then around the halfway point, Ahsoka coming in, it really picked up. Yeah. It really started to deliver on the main narrative thread that had been dangling. And I think it closed it off well and uh, kind of didn't really touch on this, but the fact that Go- Grogu went off with Luke and uh, Din and Grogu say goodbye and all that stuff, I thought that hit really well. Um, yeah. And, yeah. That that was fantastic. I actually really appreciate the fact that they were willing to walk away from Baby Yoda. Seemingly. Yeah, also it was seemingly. brave. Because like, what I was really afraid of was that they were going to go and milk this into eternity. And mm-hmm. oh, your Jedi's in another castle, or you know, or whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> like, you know, it's just the continuing search for a Jedi for five seasons. Right. And so I also think that like it recognized that Grogu was kind of a little played out. Um, that like that baby Yoda, like his antics are fun, mm-hmm. but um, it, there's only so many things he can do because he really is kind of just like an infant in mentality. If he was a little bit older in characterization, maybe there's more that mm-hmm. could be done. But uh, eating eggs was not something that we were okay with. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and so I think it was cool that they were able to let that go, at yeah. least seemingly for now. Like quit while you're ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think that's always a good thing to leave you wanting more of that mm-hmm. relationship rather than Absolutely. just be totally sick of it. And, and so... I thought they brought it home pretty well um, Mm -hmm. in terms of that longer running arc. And overall, I walk away with positive feelings. There's definitely some low lights um, in there. Yeah. I think you could tell based on our discussion that it was mostly confined to the first half of things. Um, But, uh, and then finally, I was mostly okay with the commercials and I'm somebody who rails against franchising of things, Mm -hmm. but um, I also see the dangers for it. And, I did feel a little manipulated after a while looking back like, Oh, uh-huh. well, when they announced all this slate of stuff, I see what they were really doing. Uh, but now MJL see the floor to you. So yeah, they announced, uh, I think a hundred new star Wars shows. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so they I actually believe you. It's like, it's like close to like, a dozen. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. And so yeah. I had, I think maybe the opposite experience of you guys in that I still had like three or four episodes left when mm. they announced those shows. And Ew. those were all the commercials. <laughs> yeah. So I, every time, like when we watched the Ahsoka one, I was like, okay. And then we watched, uh, what was the, uh, the, 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 Boba Fett. Boba Fett. the Boba Fett one. And I was like, I, that one, I actually did catch me by surprise because they didn't announce it until the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and then the 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 Cara Dune episode where she gets recruited into the 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 Rangers right. of the New Republic or whatever like it's gonna be a Cara Dune show, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it just it really kind of stuck in my craw because mm-hmm. Mando started to take a big backseat in the back half hmm. for as good as a lot of this stuff was, and as well executed as it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel I feel like we did not get a lot of time with Din at mm-hmm. all. What's his name? Din? Yeah, Din. I think Din. so. Yeah. Din, Din. Djarin, I think yeah. is his name. Finally came so, up so to me, that's not the Mandalorian anymore because it's about mm-hmm. everyone except him. Like he's there, he's a presence, mm-hmm. but he doesn't get a lot to do after the Ahsoka episode until he says goodbye to Baby Yoda. Mm. and well, the you know, he's there, he's there good, for action but... sequences and stuff but yeah you know he doesn't get a lot of characterization past that um except in the bill burr episode mm-hmm. and the uh the the part with with baby yoda and so it feels like yeah. it kind of got lost in the setting up of the other shows 
Mm-hmm. Also, I don't want to have to watch a million other shows to still right. come back and enjoy Mandalorian. Yeah. And mm-hmm. In fact, I think uh, Disney said that all these shows are going to result in some epic crossover or something like that at some point, which is probably where Thrawn comes in. Cause mm-hmm. for our listeners who don't know who Thrawn is, he's like a guy who was introduced in the old books um, that took place after the return of the Jedi. And he was kind of the leader of the Imperial remnant um, after the death star and kind of becomes like a big bad guy figure, uh, very mm-hmm. like intellectual cunning. And I, I really liked him in those books. Uh, there's mm-hmm. no way they can, translate those books completely as they are right. but uh anyway he probably was like as a big too, right yeah he they yeah. reintroduced him into the you know quote-unquote new canon uh through rebels mm-hmm. and so uh and ezra who was one of the other jedi who's remaining went with him like it's like kind of his uh, prisoner or something like that mm-hmm. so that's kind of the reason why ahsoka might be looking for him Anyway, all that to say that um, he's probably going to be what I imagine is the big bad guy. At the Thanos. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Missy, you have thoughts on on this kind of the crossover need to go and pay attention to all these things type stuff? Um, as, as much as I know we talked about it earlier, like the Boba Fett one I'm okay with. Uh, I, I'm actually a little excited about that only because they've now established him as being good. And not that I thought ah- Ahsoka was bad. I thought she was great. But this is the fact that there are so many that they're introducing. It's just like it, it smacks so heavily of like everything that Disney's been doing with this recently, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, you like this? Let's make 85,000 copies of it in different iterations of it until yep. no one likes any of it. And that it's just like, ah, quit bastardizing things. Like, just let yeah. us have something good. Like, the fact, and it, it frustrates me because the reason, Mandal- one of the reasons Mandalorian was so good is because it was its own story. And like, that's why it was awesome. We got to see something new within a universe that we liked with characters and, and types of characters that we kind of know, but it wasn't like, oh, let's just do 85 spinoffs of all these other things. And so it's like, how have you not learned from the fact that we really liked this new stuff that you're doing by allowing Dave Filoni and John Favreau to create new stories? And we're just going to take off from all these characters and just try this remake thing again, which clearly didn't work for the the latest trilogy. So, or even the, the solo movie. So I don't know. It, I feel like the things in my opinion recently with Star Wars that have been the most successful or that I think were the best quality were Mandalorian and Rogue One, mm-hmm. both of which were kind of newer stories rather than, and I guess Rogue One you could argue is like essentially a spinoff, but like we had new characters, we had new things there. I, I don't know. So I, I think the things that are better for them are when we're getting new stories because there's so much to do within this universe that it seems lazy and it seems um, just very cash grabby to just try to do a bunch of spinoffs. So I'm really not excited about that. Maybe with the exception of the Boba Fett one, I think that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fat Bib Fortuna was like really gross looking, but also like, <laughs> kind of cool to revisit him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, th- those are my feelings on that. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm obviously very wary about the corporate cynicism aspect yeah. of all of this. Um, I, you know, I'll take the series that seem interesting and have good production uh, mm-hmm. crew behind them, and I'll throw away the ones that yep. don't have that. I mean, yeah, obviously the fear would be that you have to watch the shitty ones too in order to appreciate whatever right. story they're working on. And that gives me pause. Um, so I'll take it on a case by case basis. I mean, you know, in, in the Boba series defense, it looks like I think Robert Rodriguez is going to be producer on it. So if oh, you like that episode, then yeah. you know, it'll be, be fun for him to play in that sandbox some more. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that one's a limited series. That's my big Yeah. Thing. I hope yeah. so too. Same. I, I just think that like, 
I hope that maybe this is a sign that maybe they can allow these series to tell whatever small story they need to have and then let it go. Yeah. Um, if they can do that, then fine. But if it's like all of them are multi-season things and mm-hmm. go on indefinitely, then I would have more of an issue with it. Right. Uh, so we'll see. I'm very wary. It, once again, it just reeks of Disney trying to, you know, try to cash in as much as they can out mm-hmm. of it. Uh, and, and Kathleen Kennedy too, it just it makes her seem like so cynical. It's like, we got like yeah. one thing that works. And so now we're going to go and just milk it to the ground. Right. I like how she's done this before with like, Oh, Colin Trevorrow just made a movie that made like a bajillion dollars <laughs> with Jurassic world. Well, he yeah. was in the star Wars movie or now these Game of Thrones guys just made a huge like yeah. series. Now they're going to get a star Wars movie. And like, just stop throwing crap on the wall like and just right slow down with this and then uh, colin trevorrow perfected star wars with book of henry because the book of henry <laughs> is star wars god yeah i yeah i can't even understand that one still but <laughs> <laughs> um so overall um you know the season I, I would say we all agree is like a mixed bag in some ways but sure i came out on the side of being pretty positive about it um mm-hmm. And Definitely some great episodes. I mean, even MJ, because it sounds like you were probably the least favorable towards it, it really liked a couple of those episodes. I like so a I mean, lot There's of some good television there. Individually, but my yeah. big thing up is just like, I feel like we also did kind of lose who this story is about. Sure. Yeah. I and that's can fair. That. Yeah. I, but my take on it is, is that um, Mando, because he's kind of a cipher and a man with no name, he kind of mm-hmm. works well playing off with other people. And maybe the yeah. argument could be made that those people might completely dominate the proceedings now over him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was, I did not feel like he lost focus. I just felt like it became more of an ensemble show and sure. I was okay with it. Cause I don't think that by himself, it's enough to carry the show, which might be also a criticism, but I, I'm okay with it. Cause I think that some characters can be that kind of character. Like they don't need to be the driving force of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I hope we get back to just some more, mando stuff in season three yeah i mm-hmm. I, I have a feeling now that seemingly the stakes have been set for season three involving mandalore and uh the dark saber and all that kind of stuff that maybe they can get back to just mando and then yeah obviously his conflicts with bo-katan or something like that yeah the stakes mm-hmm. will kind of get small again uh, and then get big but uh, it'll be more focused on him and his culture and that stuff Mm-hmm. which is super uh, interesting lore like yeah, so i'm excited right. for that and, and uh, that like can maybe be the final part of this um was, i think that some of the best stuff about this is just the feeling of like mystery and excitement mm-hmm. uh that it brings back to star wars it brings back that star wars feeling yeah that i think it's been missing for a while now i agree uh, uh like i i remember like before the sequels came out I was talking with some of my college friends and we'd be, we'd be speculating like what the movie's going to be about and like analyzing the trailers and all that stuff. And then it turned out that like most of our theories were just stupid because the movies didn't even bother to address them. And it just turned out, Oh, we're going to copy the other movies was like right. what all this was building up to. And then this, like I am excited to talk about this stuff again, which mm-hmm. I didn't expect to happen after being so feeling burned with the other ones. I will sure. agree with you on that. I, while while I was watching season two, I was also playing through Jedi Fallen Order. Nice. Which is an excellent Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not been this jazzed on Star Wars in a really long time. And yeah. so it does it does feel cool to like be pretty into Star Wars again. Mm-hmm. Um, I We've talked about this, I think on the 
Rise of Skywalker episode. I don't have like a pet franchise, John Wick accepted. Um, so I guess I do. <laughs> um, but you know, I bounce around between a lot of things that I like because I just like like movies in general. Sure. And I know that sounds like a Tom Cruise ass cop out, but like, <laughs> you know, I think that's why I kind of let the some of the stuff from the new trilogy bounce off me a little bit more than other people who like. I don't want to say have made their lives about Star Wars. Some of them have, but like people who are like diehards for it, like yeah. I can watch it and just be like, oh, okay, that sucks. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to go also watch, you know, and, and not even just a Marvel movie, but like the new Scorsese or the new, like I, my interest lies in the whole medium. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some people decide to focus on just this and that's a way to engage with entertainment. Um, so yeah, it's cool to be like, oh, hey, I was into Star Wars as a kid. Like, Star Wars was absolutely a gateway into my love of this. Now, it's definitely mm-hmm. a reason why I'm doing this. Yeah. Um, and, that, like, that, you can't take that away from me. Like, that's integral to my story. But it also opened me up to this world of, like, movies and cinema and, like, made me seek out Kurosawa movies and made me seek out, you know, all this other stuff. So mm-hmm. uh, it does have an important part in my story, but it's also because it helped expand my horizons in that manner, um, I can like, I can go in and out with it a little more fluidly, I think. Mm. Um, Cause I didn't like just stick around and stick to just like the books and the movies and the shows. Like, cause there was a lot of star Wars. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, oh, there's a ton. You know? um, and I just, I, I don't think I could ever focus my time in one franchise in that way. I mean, even like I said, John Wick accepted, there's a whole comic book I haven't read and don't plan on. Uh, reading you know (laughs) Um, there's a video game I don't plan on playing so even though that's probably like my favorite franchise of all time which is kind of weird I know but uh, it's just one that I'm going to keep up with the movies and maybe watch the first season of the show if it ever gets made Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right um so man this was way more exhaustive than I was planning on (laughs) (laughs) but I, I think that could probably bring this to the close um yeah. MJ, you have any plugs you want to make for anything? Uh, let's jaws for a minute every Friday ish, hopefully, unless there's issues with our audio, which there have been the last couple episodes. Um, let's jaws for a minute is a podcast that I host with my friend, Sarah buttery from jump cut online, where we talk about jaws, uh, minute by minute or, uh, roughly there. Um, yeah, go listen to it. I really like it. It's a, it's a fun show. And, uh, there are, like I said last week, people with a lot better accents than me on it so uh you know come for come for jaws stay for the cool accents uh missy how about you um i'll just say as the vaccines are starting to become a little more ubiquitous hopefully within our society uh keep an eye out for your local arts uh specifically local theater um specifically the empty space if you're in the greater bakersfield area uh we're trying to figure out now what we can start doing for more shows and how things can start to become you know more feasible as more people are getting vaccinated so just be aware of that but yeah always support local arts so that's my my plug i guess is for arts in general in the local sense (laughs) That's very worthy. And then oh, also uh, watch Sorcerer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good recommendation. There you go. Um, and then I wrote a book called the Ashen prophecies available on Amazon and Kindle and printed versions. And if you like anything that I have to say, then maybe you might like the books that I write. Uh, <laughs> and with that, uh, we've basically 
completely exhausted everything we can talk <laughs> about. Um, look forward to our future episodes on Cobra Kai and uh, Mank, as well as forthcoming episodes on subjects we have not decided on. And um, we'll see you next time. And remember, we're the bad guys. Yes. <laughs>